Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Today's Everyone Wednesday. Every Wednesday is Everyone Wednesday. But I have to be honest with you. Um, I don't think anybody won yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's most sincerely. I really honestly don't think so. I think the American people lost big time yesterday in the in the election. I mean, now, granted, there were some people who are saying, I mean, this is a referendum on the Biden administration. His popularity is at an all-time low, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I get that. And historically, in the United States, whenever there is a regime change, the midterm after the first two years of that term usually means bad news for the guys who are in office. I mean, if you look at, uh, go back to President 45 for a moment. He was elected in 20, 2008, Barack Obama, Joe Biden. 2009, we had the trillion dollar stimulus and shovel ready jobs. And it just the economy was just in a stranglehold, largely because of Democrat policies. And so uh, what did we see? The midterms rolled around in 2010 and all of a sudden there was a Tea Party revolt and all sorts of Republicans got elected in office. It was kind of a, a, a referendum, if you will, on the Democrat policies. Now, did it change anything in 2012? No, it didn't because the Republicans didn't get a good candidate together. They had Romney and Ryan, and that was a disaster. And we got four more years of what we knew we were going to be getting from um, the more socialist-leaning Democrat ticket. 2016, Donald Trump wins by the grace of God or something. I mean, (laughs) there was none of the polls, none of the votes. I mean, let's face it. He lost the popular vote by three and a half billion votes, but the right people voted in the right states. And next thing you know, Donald Trump's president. So there were Republicans who loved what he was doing. There were Democrats who couldn't stand it. And so what happened? By 2018, also as a result of attrition, but you know, a number of Republicans were voted out. I, I want to say that the, the seat change from the Congress that was seated in 2017 to the Congress in 2019 was something like a shift of 40 or something. It was really dramatic. According to foxnews.com, as we sit here right now at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Time, 4.02 Mountain, Republicans have won 207 seats in the House of Representatives. Democrats have won 183 seats in the House. And there are 45 different contests that are still too close to call. This is not the red wave that we were told by the pollsters and by Republican pundits and even the Democrats. I mean, the White House is like, yeah, we got to brace for this thing. It didn't happen. This morning we were recording the uh, National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Uh, Bob and John and yours truly, Neil had some tech issues. He wound up getting in with us for the last 10, 15 minutes or so. But uh, we were talking about this this morning. And uh, what did Bob describe it? He said, we were anticipating a red wave and what we got was a pink splash or a pink drizzle or something. It was really, it was kind of clever the way he described it. It was interesting to see. I mean, and we have a lot of uh, listeners to our programs who subscribe to the podcast and already had, already had a chance to hear it. Uh, you will hear the first half hour of it tomorrow on the Bottom Line Show. It's the last half hour of our Thursday broadcast on terrestrial radio that half hour rebroadcasts on Saturdays and then the second half hour rebroadcasts on Sundays we got a nice email from a listener this morning uh, Joanne uh, who wrote and said hi Crawford roundtable I just want to add to what I heard about the midterm election results to many it seemed like a disappointment but if Republicans can get the House and the Senate that's a big deal no no question about that even though Republicans lost some races getting the House and Senate would be a great win 
I also heard that in blue states, uh, part of the reason why you had it a tougher go uh, was that one to 1.5 million conservatives moved out of those states. It's very sad that they did, but may the Lord Richard and Lashley guys and the science name, Joanne. Joanne, thank you so much for that email. Um, and please know that if you want to hear all of the Crawford Roundtable podcast, you don't have to wait for Thursday afternoon for the first half. You can actually go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in. Uh, we're on Spotify with the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Um, you can go to My Hope Now. You have to wait a couple days for that one, but that's because you get video. And one of us invariably breaks our camera during the video. So you kind of have to <laughs> you have to suffer through that one. It's usually me. So sometimes John has a, an issue with this camera, but not, I digress. I mean, this is certainly not a lick your wounds type of moment, but it definitely is a moment when we, the people, have to take a look at, um, you know, how we voted or if we voted. I still haven't heard back from Jason Yates at MyFaithVotes.org, but I want to share a statement with you from uh, our guest on the broadcast Monday. He'd been on with us before uh, a couple weeks prior to that, Pastor Jack Hibbs and the folks who are part of the uh, Stop Prop 1 campaign. Um, first from Karen England and Gina Gleason, who are the two co-directors for StopProp1.com. We're extremely disappointed and saddened that Proposition 1 has passed in California. Despite strong support from some, for some limits on abortion, the majority of California voters chose death over life. We will continue to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. It's not acceptable for California to become America's graveyard for the unborn. Dang. But it's true. I mean... Proposition one now makes California, California's abortion laws are worse than North Korea's. Test me. I mean, prior to the passage of Proposition one in California and also Proposal three in Michigan and Proposal five in Vermont, they're all basically the same bill. Uh, Pro proposal three in Michigan actually included language about transgenderism and things of that nature. And, and to that point, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire was on the Joe Rogan experience on Spotify, also there. I mean, Joe probably has as many followers as we do for the National Crawford Roundtable, or he might have several million more than we do. But nonetheless, Matt Walsh has kind of taken up the charge on the transgender issue, and he issued a statement, I believe, in the Joe Rogan podcast where he said, where's the effect of, there are millions of trans kids right now who are being subjected to puberty blockers, and it's, you know, it's, it's harming their health. Joe did a fact check of Matt while he was blathering on and said, hey, the nearest number we can find is that there are about a thousand transgender kids right now who are on some kind of puberty blocker in the U.S. Which means that the left is overstating the transgender issue, number one. Number two, it means that conservatives who, who fall for that are going to spread rumors like what Matt Walsh did. And he even had a chuckle afterwards and said, well, I'm sure Media Matters is going to have a good time with that one. But every story of families that are going through that transgender tragedy are, hor are horrific. Check out what Brandon Showalter has written about at ChristianPost.com. Uh, he kind of became a, he wrote a couple articles about people who had horrible experiences with their family being subjected to this type of uh, quote unquote medicine. And he kind of became the place where people would just come, grandparents writing to him and saying, hey, my granddaughter's about to become a, a boy and I, they, they won't let me stop it. And what what's going on here this is nuts Propos or proposal three in michigan now makes michigan a safe haven for young people who want to change their gender uh, california already had that law passed so prop one was focusing more on abortion 
But I'll share Pastor Jack Hibbs' comments with you uh, in just a moment. Uh, they were pretty stern, to say the least. But, you know, there, there's a reason why I suspect that the outcome of the election yesterday, get, we weren't expecting to win everything. You know, I don't think anybody can. In a free and open constitutional republic that has democratic elections and things of that nature, uh, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And at the end of the day, I honestly believe God's still on the throne. I don't say that as a conciliatory tone, but rather to say, look, he really is. And at the end of the day, people will do what they're going to do to promote evil schemes and plans, etc. But ultimately, I believe God looks at the church first and foremost and says, what does my bride need? And that's what we get in the form of laws that are passed, bills that need to be stood up to or not and election results. So if you're wondering where was God on election day 2022, same throne he's always been on. But how many times have you seen the children of God getting needing a little course correction and getting it? But then when hard times come, what does the American church do? You know what we do. We complain and we grumble and we cry out to God, this is so unfair, God, why do I have to go through this? We just had two and a half years of this. We had a pandemic and lockdowns and business closures and school closures and race riots and uh, lawlessness and people dying in police custody that shouldn't have died in police custody. And the list goes on. We're just now starting to get a little bit back to normal. And these heartaches come and we just can't deal with it anymore. I just need someone to let me know it's going to be okay that I'm going to make it. Well, guess what? That person's name is Pastor Daniel Fusco. Uh, Daniel is an author, a church planner, lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. He had a front row seat to the 100 plus days of rioting in Portland, Oregon back in 2020. He's a radio broadcaster, a television uh, programmer. He also has a podcast called Crazy Happy with Daniel Fusco. And he's the author of a brand new book that deals with kind of where a lot of people are even today. The book is called You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Daniel Fusco joins me on the other side of this break to talk about what does resilience look like and why do we have to unlock it rather than just receive it? We'll talk about that in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, to take a collective breath of fresh air, just kind of breathe in, breathe out, take it easy. I mean, the election cycles always take a lot out of us. But as we get into the holiday season and we look at the world around us, some of us are saying, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with I feel like as a load that's more than I can handle. And it seems like my life is just kind of all over the place. It may not be a complete catastrophe, but it's feeling a lot messier than I like. Well, today here on The Bottom Line Show, uh, Pastor and author Daniel Fusco is going to talk to us about resilience and a new book he's written on this topic called you're going to make it unlocking resilience when life is a mess we have a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com daniel fusco welcome back to the bottom line show roger it's so good to be with you and everyone who's tuning in well thank you for the the time and thank you we were talking before we got going here on this podcast about how cool your set is you actually you win design style award points from us here because it's really nice to see a team that really puts the time into of course you do host a, a radio program jesus is real radio and uh, of course the television program real with daniel fusco which airs 
literally everywhere. Uh, author, church planner, and lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver. I should ask you, because I don't think we've spoken since the pandemic, but how have things gone? For, how did Crossroads weather the storm during the uh, pandemic? And uh, did it kind of un- open you up to new streams and avenues of ministry during that process? Yeah. So like everybody, um, the pandemic was a challenge. I mean, we're in Vancouver, Washington, just north of Portland, Oregon. So, I mean, we had 150 straight days of riots about 10 miles from our church. And so Mm -hmm. our community was, uh, there was a lot going on. And then obviously all the different, uh, being in the Northwest, we had some of the most restrict, some of the most restricted, uh, you know, kind of things coming from the government of anywhere in the country. And so it was uh, challenging, but God is faithful and what's beautiful, and one of the things that we tried to do as a church was so much of life is being able to, and I talk about it in the book, It's I really wrote the book from all the lessons that we learned through some of this stuff. Uh, we have to get our eyes off of the circumstances and onto our Savior. Jesus right. is always working. And so, and yeah, tons of ministry opportunities opened up because we were an early adopter as a church into kind of the digital space with church, church mm-hmm. online, all the social media stuff. So when that happened, most of the folks from Crossroads had, when especially the initial, when things were closed down pretty much everywhere. Our, our folks had already watched Crossroads online, and so they knew how to access that. So, before, but for us, it became like a: how do we do everything for people who are with us uh, personally, and how do we do everything for people who are are, are are with us digitally? And so, we really dug down deep into how do we uh, minister to people through uh, through digital means. And what was really also fun, Raj, I, I talked to, this, to a lot of people about this, that we went more digital and more analog than we had in a long time. But one of the things that we did as a church is we have a huge database and it's a big, it's a large church, but we called everybody in our database every two mm. weeks just mm. for prayer. So yeah. literally our whole team, we just kind of took the database, we we broke it up into blocks and everyone was responsible to make two hours of calls every day. And wow. we were just calling people like, hey, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? Is there anything that you need? And the number of people were like, oh, the fact that you're calling me is amazing because, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a text message and a social media culture. And we still do that now to this day, uh, even though everything's, you know, we've been back open for a long, long time now and everything's back humming and, and rolling. But keeping that kind of analog touch to things, just calling people, checking in on them. It's, it's been a really sweet addition. And I, I wasn't it. expecting it, but I'm so excited about it. I think it's great. It's one of those opportunities that you don't plan for, but when it does happen and you guys respond to it, uh, you just see the Holy Spirit all over it. And it's so encouraging to hear Daniel Fusco with me today here on The Bottom Line, the brand new book, You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. That's a, a phrase I had not really given a whole lot of thought to, Daniel. You think about people who have resilience and oftentimes into the digital technology that we were just talking about, a lot of times when people say, boy, I need some resilience, where's the app? You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll swipe here and I'll, I'll find some resilience. But resilience does kind of come in the middle of a pressure pack situation. And it really feels like it has to be unlocked rather than kind of uh, let free. Yeah. And, and I really wanted to write the book because what I realized, I always kind of consider myself to be a decently resilient person. I mean, I'm born mm-hmm. and raised in New Jersey. So like kind of, you know, I have friends yeah. who are like, man, people in New Jersey, it's where the weak go, where the weak are killed and eaten. And so we joke about it. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of an aggressive culture. Yeah. And so yeah. I always kind of felt like, Hey, I'm a pretty resilient person and I'll, I'll stick to it. Uh, but you know, when the pandemic hit, the number of times I caught myself saying, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And the number of times people I know who are pretty resilient were like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I realized very quickly that, and it reminded me of a quote from uh, the famous boxer from my generation. I'm only, I'm in my mid forties, Mike Tyson, who said that everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and in some ways I was like, yeah. I realized that we all kind of had like a collective, like we got hit with a two by four. 
And even the most resilient of us were like, what's going to happen? And right. we had to find resilience that we didn't know that we had. And so I make a distinction in the book between like, if if it's not a time that you're needing resilience, that's one scenario. And we have to learn how to train before the race. When things are going good, we actually need to start to cultivate re resilience because inevitably stuff will come that we're going to need resilience down the road. But if we're in the middle of something, because of our faith in Jesus and because of the, the reservoir of power that comes from his spirit, we have to learn how to tap in to more resilience than we necessarily would use normally. Because let's be honest, our world is becoming increasingly complicated. Yeah. As you said, like just the election cycle, that takes a lot out of everybody. Even if someone isn't all that politically minded, you feel the pressure of it and all these things. And so we need to learn how to unlock that resilience. And really the whole book has got tools, you know, looking at the scriptures, because our Bibles are full of people who find themselves in intense, challenging, life-threatening situations. And they find that reservoir of resilience, which is one of the many characteristics of who Jesus is. Yeah, I love that. Daniel Fusco with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. There's a chapter in this book. I love the title of it, Daniel, and I'd love you to for, for you to unpack it for us, because I think in the culture right now, we have a lot of people who spend a lot of time training for stuff, you know, going to the gym, working out, or maybe taking classes and coursework, things like that. But then when you get the Mike Tyson approach, you know, and someone winds up punching you in the mouth, you'll sit there and, and say, okay, well, maybe I should be working harder to make sure I don't get punched in the mouth again. And I love the fact that you talk about encouraging people in the body of Christ to not waste the hard things that come our way. Talk about what you mean by that. Yeah, so that this is one of those things that I believe is 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 a key to how we grow. See, oftentimes we have this tendency to believe that when things are going good, that's God's blessing. And when things are not going good, it's like right. God is against us, mm -hmm. right? But the beauty of what the gospel teaches, the good news of Jesus is that because of the finished work of Jesus, God is always for us. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that happens in the midst of hard things. So in the chapter, I'm really trying to do two things. One, I don't want people to divorce the work that God is trying to do in us mm -hmm. and through us from our hard things. Because ultimately, you might say, well, I don't understand why this is happening. That's true for a lot of us in a lot of hard situations. But if you're a believer in Jesus, one thing you do know is that what God wants to do is make us more like Jesus. Right. So at the most basic level, when we go through hard things, one of God's chief goals is to transform me, Daniel, you, Roger, anyone listening, to become more like Jesus. And so what we have a tendency to do is when the hard things happen, we forget that God's plan is to make me like Jesus. And then what we do is we kind of, we, we, we try and self-protect rather than saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't like what's happening. I want this to be over. But while it's here, I don't want to waste this. Bear the fruit that you want to bear in my life. And so instead of resisting it and pulling back, we end up leaning into it, saying, God, I know that you're doing stuff. And I know that if you didn't want this to be here, it wouldn't be here. And right. if I learned all the lessons, then you don't have to use this. And it really speaks to the fact that our God is a God of restoration. Our God is a God of redemption. Mm -hmm. He's a God of resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so for us, when we are going through hard things, when you lean in and say, God, I know you're doing something, that really changes the, the, the way we see these things and, and how we move through them.
You know, you were you went through three R's, and I was thinking of three others in terms of renewal and and rescue and all the different things. All of a sudden, I went, "Wait, we're having this alliterative battle here. We could go back and forth and and talk about all the wonderful things that God does through through our stressful and struggling times." But the reality is it, it, that that is the tra- that, that's the whole deal. I mean, that's what He's actually purposing to do to build us up and to do more than just help us muddle through for the next time when we get punched in the mouth, but rather to li- really survive and, and to grow and more like the image of his son, Jesus Christ, working in us. Pastor Daniel Fusco with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You know, one of the things that we are encouraging you to do is keep a hopeful attitude in spite of perilous circumstances. And even though it's a disaster, the California's Proposition 1 did pass and now abortion is legal all the way up through labor and delivery. That still does not deny the fact that when you show a woman an ultrasound at a preborn clinic, she is 83 percent more likely to actually keep her child, either to become a mom or to place that child up for adoption. In fact, 55% of women in a Barna poll recently who had had abortions said if they'd known that adoption was an option, they would have kept their kids. Well, preborn is where this all begins because the left does not want you to see ultrasound. That's why preborn does the subversive work of putting ultrasound machines in pregnancy health centers. Your $28 donation provides one ultrasound. Your $140 donation provides five. $280 provides 10. And $15,000 puts a whole ultrasound machine in a preborn healthcare clinic. Make a call today, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Make your best donation and support this nonprofit organization that takes fully tax-deductible gifts and puts 100% of them all the money goes into uh, preborn uh, ultrasound machines. 833-850-BABY, call now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Daniel Fusco, my guest to kick off the broadcast here. His brand new book is called You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. We got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And you know, it's everyone Wednesday today. We do have one copy of his book to give away. And I like to give everybody who's listening in the first half hour of the program a, a leg up on the competition. We've got one copy of of Pastor Daniel Fusco's book, You're Going to Make It, uh, up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're giving that away. So here's the number, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, that is good news. Here's even better news. Today is Everyone Wins Day, and that means everybody who calls in is going to win something. If you don't win a copy of Daniel Fusco's new book, We have five copies of the brand new book by Dr. David Jeremiah from Turning Point. Dr. Jeremiah has, he's released a new book called The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. 800-227-5278. It's Everyone Wednesday. We have five copies of the brand new book by David Jeremiah from Turning Point, The World of the End and one copy of Daniel Fusco's book, You're Going to Make It, that are up for grabs right now. So let's see, I've got enough fingers on both hands. That's six guaranteed winners of outstanding resources that are going to put a smile on your face, but more importantly, put the peace of Christ in your heart. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Five copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's brand new book, The World of the End. One copy of Daniel Fusco's book, You're Going to Make It. 
And that conversation with Daniel will continue on the other side of this break. I want to thank everybody who has been supporting our outreach through Preborn. I was mentioning just a moment ago that Proposition 1 did, in fact, pass in California, and it's horrific. I mean, if if you read the entire bill, it's there are more horrible things you can do to a preborn, yet-to-be-born child in California than you can in places like North Korea. I mean, the U.S. abortion laws are pretty bad as it stands. Everyone who dreams about, you know, this kind of socialistic nirvana and, you know, uh, the, the European nations really have a, a, you know, have a way to handle all this. Nothing compares in terms of even the way they look at abortion. U.S. abortion laws are way worse. And California's is now the worstest, hands down. But your support of preborn, getting ultrasound machines into pregnancy health centers, getting ultrasounds available to women. Abortion clinics do not want a woman to see an ultrasound. They say it's too traumatic. The reality is they know once you see a picture of your baby and you know that baby is alive inside of you, you will want to keep the baby. And the abortion clinic does not want you to have that. Don't listen to the reproductive justice stuff. Don't talk about the reproductive health nonsense that they tell you. It's all about constitutionality. No, it's not. It's about dead babies mean money for them. That's the reality. Dead babies mean money for the abortion lobby, and preborn is trying to fight that. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Make your best donation. A $2,800 donation will provide 100 ultrasounds, will save 100 babies. 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com, thebottomlineshow.com, rogermarsh.com, and click on the preborn link. More of my conversation with Pastor Daniel Fusco. You're going to make it. That's coming up on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side. Make sure you have Stephanie's name and number in your contacts. Remember, it's Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935, or make it easy on yourself. Go to kbrightradio.com, K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com, forward slash Cover Law, and you can get the process rolling right there. Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I'll ever recommend. Daniel Fusco is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and his book has the most encouraging title of the year. The new one is called You're Gonna Make It. Unlocking Resilience When Life, Quite Frankly, is a Mess. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Daniel, an author, a church planner, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. And I forgot you mentioned this in the earlier segment, how much turmoil. I mean, Vancouver and Portland really aren't that far apart, are they? How many miles is it? It's it's kind of within shouting distance. Yeah, I mean, uh, Portland, Oregon is our southern neighbor. So, so literally, uh, our church and where I live is ten miles outside of downtown Portland. Mm, so, it, okay. it like we're in the same community. Yeah, so, yeah. so we're when just you, in a different state over a river. 
Right. So we get the pandemic and then we get the rioting and and then, of course, the rain. I mean, so there's no alliteration there. We were having fun with alliteration earlier. But the idea, though, that people need to be have a certain measure of resilience. And I think for those of us in the body of Christ, and dare I say, the American church, oftentimes when the hard times come, we kind of just hunker down and we go all Jonah, you know, on it or Job or, you know, sit there and kind of scratch the wounds. And, well, I guess I'm just supposed to survive this. But you encourage us uh, in this brand new book called You're Going to Make It to unlock resilience when life literally is a mess. And I love the idea that you write about this in your, your new book, the fact that we can thrive in stressful seasons. I mean, and there really is, you know, hope under pressure. You can fight the battle against fear and worry. Talk about that thriving part, because for many of us, I know there's survival mode. I'm driving through a rainstorm. I just want to get through it without crashing. As soon as I get to my destination, I'll figure life out later. But you're encouraging us, even exhorting us to go a step further and say, hey, when you're going through a challenge like this, that's because God's preparing you. You should be thriving through all of this, not just surviving it. Yeah, so... There's a a phrase that people talk about, uh, about relationships, and it goes like this, that expectations ruin relationships, Mm. right? And so, and really what it means is the reason expectations ruin relationships is oftentimes we don't uh, articulate our expectation, we don't talk about it, and we don't Mm -hmm. agree upon it, right? And I think what's going on for many of us is that we have a false expectation about life. We have this belief that, man, listen, because we live in a civilized society, we have all this technology and all this comfort, that life's just supposed to be easy. But really, Jesus never promised us is that, that everything's going to be easy. Actually, on the contrary, he says, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Yes. So you could be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So he's, saying, he's not saying, listen, if you follow me, if you believe in me, everything's going to be easy. He's saying that it's going to be hard, but I'm going to be with you. And my presence is going to be transformational. And hmm. so for me in writing, you're going to make it. And in unpacking something that I call in the book, the resilience equation, what I'm trying to help people see is that when we go through hard things, the goal at the end should not be that I'm jaded, hard-hearted, mm, or mm-hmm. cynical. Right. The goal should that I should be wholehearted. I'm living the abundant life. I'm hopeful. And I'm realizing that I'm growing and that God is working. And so for all of us, I don't want to make it to the end of my days and be kind of crispy and crusty and, and the mm. world just kind of beat me down. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more light than darkness. I want to be more hopeful than critical and downtrodden. And I believe that the world needs the body of Christ to have that witness of Jesus in the world, because as the world gets more dark, I mean, what darkness needs is light. It doesn't need arguments. It needs light. And so we need to make sure that we are growing in the wattage, so to speak, of reflecting the light of Jesus into the world. Yeah. And if you use that image, Daniel Fusco, I love the visual because we know that when I was younger, I used to think, okay, well, if there's darkness, then you need complete total light to help overcome the darkness without realizing I can have the darkest room possible, walk in and flip one light switch, a 25 watt bulb comes on, and all of a sudden my eyes drawn to the light. Why? Because the light overcame the darkness. And sometimes I think we look at the world and say, it's so dark, and we forget that A, we have the light of Christ in our hearts. So everywhere we go, we're bearing that light. But B, it doesn't mean that we have to solve all of the problems of the United States government or the economy or anything like that, just to be the light of Christ and to thrive in the way God wants us to. And I, I'm grateful you you brought that up. Daniel Fusco, the author of the brand new book called You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. And it's not resistance we're talking about, it's resilience. And I think there's a, a, a it's very clearly delineated in this brand new book. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
there are a lot of people who are under stress right now. I, I, I was reading that during the pandemic, I mean, stress levels were at all time highs because people had anxiety and they were frustrated. You know, is this uh, is this going to be the end of us? Are we going to lose our job, going to lose our house, et cetera? Um, when we talk about stressful, I talked about, you know, the, the, the idea of thriving during a stressful season. But many Christians seem to think, OK, well, if I'm stressed out, then I must not be doing God's will or maybe God's punishing me. Talk about what it means to truly be as a Christian to be steady under stress. Yeah, it's such a great question. And I always say this at this point when I'm talking to people about the book is that I am not an expert at this because I've conquered it. You know, I, I am somebody I'm a practitioner, like I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got three kids and all these things going on. And so, yeah. so life can be stressful. Now, if you think about what stress is, stress is literally your body's response to uncertainty. So when, when we have times of stress, our heart rate gets elevated, our breathing gets more shallow initially, we hold our breath a little bit. And so really what it is, it, it's a physical response to uncertainty. Now we realize as individuals, we are finite, we are not all knowing. And so everything is uncertain. Like, you know, you go on the weather report, you're like, hey, it's not gonna be raining today. But then it, it pours on you, hey, it's it's gonna be fine. And you get three inches of snow. You just never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So stress is normal. So one of the things that I tell people is that I would love to be able to say, hey, listen, read my book, you're gonna make it and you'll never feel stress again. But that's Perfect. a total yeah. lie. I mean, it would be great. I would love yeah. it. Yeah. But But really the only way to thrive and to win the battle against fear and worry and stress is to fight the battle. And what I'm constantly telling people is that when I feel fear or worry, right, which is an internal thing or stress, which is my body's response to the fear and the worry, that is an invitation from Jesus where it's like, hey, you're feeling uncertainty right now. Your, your body is responding and reacting to this uncertainty. Yeah. And that is an invitation from Jesus to say, listen, Yes, you do not know what's going to happen, but you know me and I know what's going to happen. Right. Your right. future might be uncertain, but your savior is certain. And so it's an invitation from God to when I feel fear, it's an invitation to lean in to my faith with and in, in, into my walk with Jesus. When I feel stress, that's God's invite. My body saying, Daniel, you need Jesus. You need the only thing that is truly secure in your life is the death and resurrection of Jesus and the unconditional love of God that comes from forgiveness in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. So really the way to thrive when we feel stress, because we're always going to feel it, there's always going to be health issues and financial issues and family issues sure. and stuff's going to go on in our communities and in our nation and in the world. It's constantly in, like a big neon light invitation from Jesus, like, Will you draw near to me? Because I think of that verse in the Psalms that says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher mm -hmm. than I. And so overwhelm, it's like, that's an invitation to Jesus, who's the rock that's higher than us. That's great counsel from pastor and author Daniel Fusco today here on The Bottom Line, talking about his brand new book called You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Daniel, we've got a couple minutes left, and I would love for you to dispel something that's kind of been a nagging doubt of mine um, ever since I got a hold of your book. And not that I don't trust your book, <laughs> but the title, you're going to make it the final chapter. You can do this. I see and have seen in my ministry world so much false hope given to people. You know, the parent who's like, come on, son, you could do it when you know the kid can't run or the girl you know, isn't really smart or you know, whatever the deal is. And they want to encourage them. But at the end of the day, it's false hope. I know this is not false hope, but reassure me that when you say, look, 
it's written all over the pages of scripture that you are going to make it. You can unlock resilience. You can do this, that it's not just some kind of spiritual hype man running around saying, come on, everybody get up. You could do this, but it really, we do have that hope and assurance that it's going to be that way. Yeah. And Roger, I'm so happy that you're asking me this question because what I'm not trying to tell people in the book is that everything's going to work out exactly the way you think it's going to. And, mm -hmm. and your preferred outcome is definitely God's will. That is right. not what I'm saying. <laughs> what, no. what the Bible teaches unequivocally, and I quoted it earlier, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, and what was beautiful is in the midst of the pandemic and the stress of everything that was going on, I got, I got three kids who were in school. They're all home. You know, the mm. church, we're trying to figure out how do we care for all these people and what's going on? What are the government telling us? And who's sick and in the hospital? I mean, we had all this stuff going on. And I remember sitting down and saying, God, I don't know, do not know how we're going to make it. And the Lord said, Daniel, you're going to make it because I already made it. Like, mm. because Jesus died and rose again, yeah, like yeah. my victory is bound up in the fact that Jesus walked out of that grave. He conquered the two biggest issues that all of humanity has, a sin problem and a death problem. He mm. conquered them. And because of that, I am confident to tell people you're going to make it, not because it's going to work out the way we want it to, but because Jesus made it. And however these things go that are causing us stress or fear or worry or our own sufferings, However they land, we know that they're going to land in accordance with God's perfect plans. And the key is the victory is not my preferred outcome or ending these things. The victory is I'm growing in Christ-likeness and God is being glorified in my life through me yes. trusting Jesus and taking simple steps of faith. And that perspective change, I believe, is one of the great you know, steps on the journey to Christian maturity, which I think is something that as a pastor and as just as a, a follower of Jesus, I'm just passionate. I just want to keep growing. I want to mature in Christ. I want my brothers and sisters to mature in Christ with me. And uh, I'm trying to walk in those ways. Amen. Amen. And that, that, thank you. Now you've given me that encouragement. I know that this is real because I can see and I can hear the voice of God speaking through you, Pastor Daniel Fusco, and I'm grateful for that. The book is called You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resistance, or Resilience rather, when life is a mess and you get a healthy measure of godly resistance in there too. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Daniel Fusco, always a pleasure. Thanks. Congratulations on the new book. Uh, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas from all of us here at The Bottom Line Show. Uh, right back at everyone. Much love to you all. You can see this video, by the way, we just finished up. You can tell the mic changed from one side to the next. Uh, we, we're doing this on Zoom. And so now we're back to regular radio here. Uh, go to myhopenow.com and you can see uh, Daniel Fusco's cool studio, cool hair. Uh, the great new book, though, too. You're going to make it unlocking resilience when life is a mess. We have a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com and a copy of the book to give away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, remember, um, hey, guess what? Um, it's everyone Wednesday and I have a special treat for you. Um, if you are calling for Daniel Fusco's book and you want to get a copy of it, but well, it's everyone Wednesday and we only had one copy. May I sweeten the deal a little bit? Dr. David Jeremiah of Turning Point has a brand new book out. You may have heard about it. It's called The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. That is linked up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. And we have five copies of that book to give away too. So when you're calling in on everyone Wednesday at 800-227-5278, well, you've got a chance at five David Jeremiah books or one Daniel Fusco book 
they're all great. I highly recommend them. So let's ring the phones off the hook and keep uh, Teresa and Crystal busy today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through. Why did Sticks do this song this way? I, I, well, the world may never know. Uh, my thanks again to Pastor Daniel Fusco, his encouraging book called You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. It's really perfect for the day after an election where people were anticipating some good gains for conservative politicians and policies and wound up, well, with a, you know, several lumps of coal instead. Uh, we also have five copies of the brand new book from Dr. David Jeremiah of Turning Point, The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I want to take a look at some of the uh, the results from yesterday's election. I mean, again, some of these uh, some of these races have been called. Some of them are too close to call. It looks like we can safely say now that in Georgia, uh, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, neither one of them crossed the 50% threshold. And so they will have a runoff on December 6th. I think Georgians kind of like that kind of drama. Um, the reality is you have two lousy candidates for that seat, that Senate seat. Um, Herschel Walker is less lousy than Raphael Warnock. So that, I mean, seriously, I do not envy people who live in the great state of Georgia for that, from that standpoint. Remember, though, that this is the state that was one of the first ones those dastardly Republicans were going to squeeze out the minority vote with all those so-called election integrity laws that made uh, voter ID tougher and, and, and made it tougher for early voting. And they cut down, remember this Jim Crow 2.0, according to the president of the United States. They had a record voter turnout for the 2022 midterms. There were more people who voted then than in 2018 when they had a record voter turnout for the midterms. And 31.75% of the population of the state of Georgia are African-American as of the last census. And the voter turnout for African-Americans was well over 33%. Not seeing the suppression there. By the way, in Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis was also victorious, and, and I should say President DeSantis, because Lord willing, unless, you know, unless something weird doesn't happen and the crick don't rise, uh, Ron DeSantis looks like the front runner. Uh, and Ron DeSantis also made sure to sign into law voter ID restrictions uh, and regulations. Uh, they don't have the crazy vote by mail questionings, things that happen like in, in other states. And it was pretty much a red wave in Florida, but not in the rest of the country. 
here in the People's Republic of California, as can be expected, all the Democrats running for state office won. Uh, Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Controller, Treasurer, Attorney General, Insurance Commissioner. The Superintendent of Public Instruction is not, uh, has no party affiliation, but uh, um, Tony Thurman, I believe, is one who uh, got his ticket punched for yet another uh, term. The Senate seats, uh, Alex Padilla was running for there. It was kind of a weird quirk in the system, as you'll recall. Um, when he was appointed to take over for Kamala Harris, or no, he was appointed to take over for uh, Xavier Becerra, who was, you get the idea. There were a lot of Californians of Hispanic background who were promoted because of uh, uh, Xavier Becerra being named Department of Health and Human Services. And um, in terms of uh, you know the election, um, you basically had Padilla versus Muser for a partial term. Somebody had to be elected to serve from now until the swearing-in day in January, and then there's the term that starts in January. It, so each candidate was running for both seats, and Padilla won. So uh, more on the Democrat side in just a moment. But the ballot measures really got my attention, because remember, there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven propositions on the ballot, and the the majority of Christian faith-based conservative pundits who were doing their handicapping all said the same thing. Vote no on all the propositions because that's just the easiest way to handle it. Now, I, um, I think that when we look at these, if you look at Roger's recommendations, I did actually give a thumbs up to the public school arts and music education funding. That was one place where Craig Huey and I disagreed, uh, Craig at election forum. Craig's point was, Public instruction has mishandled funds. The arts programs have gotten so weird and so wacky. And oh, by the way, 80% of these uh, dollars that are going in, it's going to be probably a billion extra dollars a year, are going to go to hire teachers. And so it really isn't going to help the kids. And I, I figured out if you do the math of how many millions of kids versus um, uh, how many millions of kids versus how much money is going to be left over when this all said and done, it works out to like an average $16 per student that they'd actually be getting some instruction on. And that's, that's not great. But as the child of two public school administrators, educators way back in the day, and the parent of at least three, if not more educators, um, not in public school, they're in private school right now. One is in public school in Texas. Um, I thought, you know what, there are worse things you could spend money on, so why not go ahead and do it? Proposition one, we've already talked about. It's called the proposition title, which is so dishonest, is a constitutional right to reproductive freedom. If that's what you were thinking about, okay, and here's the deal. We want to make sure that women have access to contraception, so let's make that part of the Constitution. If that's all the bill were, which is the way they were presenting it, no one could take away our constitutional rights. The Supreme Court took away our constitutional rights. Yada, 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 yada. You do realize if you read the Dobbs versus Jackson ruling that was handed down to the United States population on the 24th of June, 2022, Dobbs versus Jackson upheld a 15-week ban. ban. You can no longer abort children in Mississippi after 15 weeks without realizing that the whole trimester concept of pregnancy was invented by the Supreme Court when they passed Roe versus Wade. That it was never the intent of the original justices that you could kill a child right up until labor and delivery. I mean, that's a fully formed human being, human baby, about ready to come out. 
And what do you get? Oh, well, you know, if you don't want to be a parent, that's fine. As a matter of fact, Proposition 1 goes so far as to say that if you attempt to abort a child in the final trimester and the child survives the abortion, you no longer have a legal obligation to provide medical care for that child. And this is now enshrined in the California Constitution. So far, and I'm looking at uh, the Secretary of State's uh, page, electionresults.sos.ca.gov forward slash returns. You can check this out, too. And it'll change if they keep tabulating more votes. California has something like 21 million registered voters, and this only reflects uh, a percentage. It's about 6 million voters that have come in so far, 6 million votes. But Prop 1 passed by a measure of 65 to 35. And I have to wonder two things. First of all, how many people who voted yes on Prop 1 know that they now have given the state the authority to murder children in the final trimester of pregnancy. 70% of registered Democrats who support abortion don't want that law to be passed. And yet they voted for this. And how many Christians by default voted for the passage of this by not showing up and voting? The, the first pass I saw at the 65, 35 percentage point had 3.5 million votes in favor and 1.9 million votes against. You think there aren't 1.6 million Christians in California who could have voted against Prop 1? I think so. Um, just getting warmed up on the propositions, 800-227-5278. We're taking your calls today on this Everyone Wednesday. We're giving away a copy of Pastor Daniel Fusco's book, You're Going to Make It, and also Dr. David Jeremiah's book, The World of the End. We have six copies between those two titles to give away. Everybody wins something, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278. Still taking your calls on this Everyone Wednesday. David Jeremiah's book, The World of the End, Jesus Prophecy, and How Jesus Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. Also, uh, Pastor Daniel Fusco's book, You're Gonna Make It. Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. And we've got a link for both books up at thebottomlineshow.com. Six copies between the two titles to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And if you have a comment about the elections, too, I would love to hear it. Um, you're hearing my rants on it right now. <laughs> um, you know, regarding the church and the turnout and whatever. Okay, now, obviously... We all know what happened in 2020. There were a lot of laws that were passed. There were a lot of things that were designed to make it easier for Donald Trump to not be reelected. We'll put it that way. I don't know that the election was stolen necessarily, but there were tons of irregularities, uh, certain things that were passed by uh, legislature that should have been voted upon. Certain things were handed down by the secretary of state of a certain state or commonwealth. Uh, you know, the people who were judges were getting involved and handing down decisions. And my goodness, the folks in Philadelphia just couldn't keep their hands off of this type of stuff. They were pulling stuff yesterday in terms of how many counts there had to be on the board of counting uh, for certain for the city of Philadelphia, not for the whole commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So we know as time wears on, we're going to look and say, how is it that John Fetterman won, you know, and and it, in Pennsylvania, even though the poor guy survived a stroke recently and he could barely put two sentences together. Uh, there was a dead candidate, by the way, someone who had passed away, who has now been elected to the uh, 
uh, state legislature in Pennsylvania also. I mean, there's just, there are a lot of irregularities. Maricopa County in Arizona had a problem with some of the machines malfunctioning. There was another place, I think it was Ohio, where uh, it turned out a poll worker had actually malfunctioned the machine. So it didn't matter who you voted for, they always marked the Democrat candidate. There's a lot of that that will still have to be sussed out. But I think the question for us now as conservatives is, this is the second consecutive election. Well, maybe actually the third consecutive, okay, the fourth. How about the fifth, maybe the sixth consecutive election where you see the biblical influence waning and the church actually becoming less relevant in the culture, especially at the polls where perhaps we were so used to seeing it for such a long time. Um, it, it's crazy. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I'm going to keep walking through the propositions here in the People's Republic of California. I also want to get your calls, too, and get some commentary. I'm going to share a, a, a note that was passed along to me by Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, Jack and his team were part of the uh, Stop Proposition 1 campaign, and he had some very stern words for the church for Christians who did not vote. And when we consider that there are 25 million people in America who profess faith in Christ but did not vote in the national, last national election, you have to wonder what our nation would look like if people would exercise that right to vote. More on that and more in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Keep it right here. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Election postmortems. Uh, it's amazing how some states are able to count and verify and certify tens of millions of votes, and other states are saying, well, it's going to be a a little bit of a close call. Now, we do know that Raphael Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker will have a runoff in Georgia. That's on December the 6th. Um, and <laughs> if you love the uh, independent third party, whatever guy, let's give a tip of the angel halo cap to uh, Chase Oliver. That's the name of the guy who ran as a libertarian in Georgia and siphoned 80,000 votes away from the two front runners, basically forcing them into a runoff. Now, you know what's going to happen next in Georgia is people from all over the country are going to take advantage of uh, uh, Georgia's uh, kind of porous voting registration laws. They're going to fly in, register to vote, vote, and then fly out without ever having to really establish any sort of residency. Right now, uh, I started the program by saying there were 45 House seats in still in play, and they are still in play. Right now, Fox News is projecting that Republicans have won 207 seats in the House and Democrats have won 183. 218 is the majority. There are 435 seats in the House. And remember, uh, one of the shoo-in Democrat votes is no longer there because California lost a vote. Uh, we have only 52 Congress people now instead of 53. That doesn't necessarily mean a Republican is going to pick it up. Maybe an independent just might. Um, but it, it is very interesting to see, you know, what the projections are. There's a very strong possibility that the GOP will pick up the 11 seats necessary to, to win. Uh, some are projecting they might pick up another 13. But we were told by all the pundits that somewhere between 25 and 40 seats would flip. Remember in 2018, after Donald Trump was elected in 2016, the first midterm, the referendum on the Trump agenda for his administration, there were like 43 or 44 um, House seats that flipped from Republican to Democrat. What's interesting to me is to see, I mean, in the case of like Fetterman versus Oz in Pennsylvania, the Senate seat, Fetterman has 51% of the vote and Oz has 47. That's not close. 
We were told that Marco Rubio and Val Demings head to head. And we saw the video. Boy, she sure gave him a smackdown. He he ran over her like 60 to 40. Charlie Crist and uh, uh, Rick DeSantis in Florida. Boy, that's a really close race. It was it was 60 to 40. I mean, the, the, you have to wonder what's happening, you know, and and the pundits who were saying, yeah, you know, a, a lot of calm, cool, collected Democrats were not worried about what was going to happen here. And basically they were right. I mean, either because Republicans and conservatives and independents didn't turn out, the independents, um, you know, didn't switch party lines. Remember, we were sharing with you some of the, the, the voting polling information about how independents were going to make a huge splash on the sanctity of human life. That may not have been the case. Another possibility for the election turnout being the way it was is the issue of abortion animated younger voters. Democrats campaigned heavily on that. That's where they placed all their uh, basically place their 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 hope and trust and we were told by the pollsters that wasn't working even the democrats are starting to panic at the last minute and lo and behold the squad picked up another member and all the other remaining squad members in the house of representatives the far left progressives they're called the squad um they won their seat elections handily now curiously in the people's republic of california i mentioned earlier there were seven ballot initiatives and as is right now according to the secretary of state's office three of them passed and four of them did not now most conservative pundits were encouraging that christians vote no on all of them i recommended a yes vote on the public school arts and music education funding and apparently people listen to me because uh, right now it's winning by a margin of 62 to 38. california's proposition one we'll circle back around to that in just a moment Prop 26, the sports wager on tribal lands. Um, they used to call this a woodshed moment, right? 30% in favor, 70% against it. Prop 27. Remember Prop 27 when that first came out? First they had Big Chief somebody or rather, some guy who looked like a Native American guy saying, I support this and this is going to solve our you know homeless problem and whatever. And they were big advertising budget for yes on 27. And then it was, we have a homeless crisis here in California and we need to solve it. And by golly, until somebody actually read the bill and say, wait a minute. Yeah, this does provide some funding to ostensibly solve the homeless crisis, but Prop 27 is worse than Prop 26. Prop 26 would allow Indian casinos the opportunity to allow for sports gaming on their in their casino properties. Prop 27 was where some Indian uh, tribal organizations would basically lease out their licenses to online gambling types. All it took was a concern, a couple of, uh, you know, concerned mama bears who got to the public eye and said, you know, what prop 27 is really about. It's about creating an end around for sports gaming on the web, on your mobile device. Uh, if prop 26 was a woodshed moment, 30 in favor, 70 against, Prop 27, I haven't seen anything this broad in terms of the margin of victory for the people who were on no on 27. This goes back to what was it, Prop 35 back in 2012, which was the proposition, I believe it was 35. All the numbers were the 30s that year. Prop 35 was the one to, uh, to stop calling minors. It was a sex trafficking bill, and it was to stop... Uh, referring to those who were uh, arrested for solicitation of prostitution as a minor. 
they were no longer going to be called uh, sex workers. They were going to be called victims of sex trafficking and a variety of other changes. That was 83 to 17. It's the last time we've seen something this big. The online sports wagering outside of tribal lands bill, Prop 27 in California, was 16% in favor and 84% against. They didn't even, at the first rendering, after about 6 million votes have been cast, they didn't even have 900,000 votes in favor of that bill. Prop 28, people voted for funding for the arts and music education in public schools. Prop 29, people have seen this one before and they didn't like it the first two times they got it. The, the regulations for kidney dialysis clinics would effectively shut most of them down. Nobody wanted that one. Um, interestingly enough, I had seen initial reports that Prop 30, the tax on people who make $2 million a year or more to fund wildfire programs and zero emissions vehicles um, was looked like it was going to pass. And then something happened in the middle of the night and all of a sudden now it's losing by a margin of 41 to 59. That was the Lyft bill, right? They, they basically said it was sponsored by Lyft or Uber, one of those companies. And they were basically purposing to create this slush fund that would invest more in electric cars and they would be the beneficiaries of that. Now, Prop 1, I don't get it. I mean, I understand why it passed, but I don't understand it. Prop 31, the prohibition on the sale of certain tobacco products. Remember how this was marketed? Big Tobacco wants your kids to vape and they want them to use flavored tobaccos and, and we shouldn't allow that to happen. So vote yes on Prop 31 and we'll create a special tax force and we'll collect money and we'll have these, you know, non, uh, these <laughs> not more bureaucracy and more waste. Here's the, re the thing about Prop 31 that I did appreciate is the fact that they acknowledged at least that the flavored tobaccos and vaping and things like that do target certain populations and it's not good. It's seriously a health risk. But the big push was we have to protect our kids. This prohibits the sale of tobacco products to minors. And at press time, 62% of Californians were in favor of this bill and 38% were against this bill. Here's part of the reason why I have a hard time with this measure. It is already illegal in the state of California and every other state in the United States to sell tobacco products to minors. So the idea that we needed this special bill that created a special slush fund that creates another agency and more bureaucracy to enforce a law that's already on the books is a waste of time. This will not stop young people from getting this to these tobacco products and using them. But it made somebody sure feel good when they were running for re-election. Okay, Prop 1 is the big one. That's the so-called constitutional right to reproductive freedom. That's the one that enshrines in the California Constitution the right to have an abortion. Well, the right to use contraceptives, because contraceptives are what we're talking about here, not a pill that is going to lead to an abortion, even though this will be the most egregious affront on the sanctity of human life ever in any state, literally in any country. I mean, it's just California's bill is such an overreach. I want to read to you the comments of Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Tino Hills. I'll do that on the other side of this break. Plus, the phone lines are open if you have a comment on the elections. 
Is this one where Christians should have been more engaged? Do you think that would have uh, changed the turnout? Do you think there's widespread or even low spread uh, voter fraud? Where do we go from here? 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. You know, one of the beautiful things about what's happening in the reverse mortgage lending world right now is there are so many different options, number one. Number two, you all know you have to be at least 62 to participate, but there are some programs that allow people as young as 55 to participate. And learn how you can buy a home with a reverse mortgage. Call Newport Bay today, 714-741-8080. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I want to share these comments with from Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, but I'd like to get your comments first. Let's go to the phones now. Clark calling in from Riverside. Clark, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Hello? Hey, Clark, how you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? No complaints. What's your What's your thought about uh, yesterday and the election results? Um, you know, I mean, I thought it was really typical. I um, I think it's really interesting that not one lockdown governor got voted out. That was really strange and peculiar. Um, yeah. Beyond the fact that you know Memphis hired a, you know elected a dead person, uh, PA elected a dead person, you know elected another stroke victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, you know, I, I find like, even in like Georgia, how Kemp, you know, overwhelmingly won by, you know, three, four, five percent, but then, you know, it's almost guaranteed to lead to a runoff where it's already been, you know, almost predestined to a runoff so that, uh, the Senate won't be determined until, you know, December. Um, it, it just seems like there's so many like really bizarre and, uh, obscure things that, are atypical um, that nothing shocks me anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you? I, I got to ask you this, Clark. Do you? How long have you lived in California? And do the election results make you think about moving? Um, no, it doesn't. I mean, I think it's really silly for people to think like, "Hey, let's all of us go move to Tennessee or Texas." I mean, you know, what's going to be left for California when nobody's a fight? You know, like. Uh, actually in California, especially when there's so many pockets of California that majority are not um, Democrat. I go mm-hmm. to L.A. a lot, and I know L.A. and the cities are 100% Democrat. Even um, L.A. is about to elect Caruso, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like, which is really, yeah, it's really you know, close right now, but yeah. and, and bizarre, uh, where it seems like Karen Bass should be, you know, overwhelmingly winning that uh, uh, election. But even that, what's bizarre is, 
L.A., they won't even know their count for, you know, another week or two. Alaska won't know until the 23rd. There's so many states where when I was a kid um, watching an election, an election was decided by like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and now it's, you know, the 9th, and if I go on to Politico, they go, hey, we'll figure out who controls the Senate, who controls the House in another month. Stay tuned until October. Exactly. Exactly. And that that is part of the deal. They just kind of like to string you along. Well, Clark, thanks so much for your call. I appreciate your thoughts and your your comments here. It, it is interesting. One pundit did make the suggestion to, to, to Clark's comment that it seems as though there are some blue states that actually wound up getting a little bluer over the past couple of years simply because people were leaving. I, I'll be honest with you. The people I know who have left states like New York and California and Illinois have done so for purely financial reasons. Um, when you could buy a home in Texas for a third of what you're paying in California, yeah, the property taxes are a little higher, but you don't have to pay state income taxes. I get that. I mean, Ron DeSantis has benefited from the conservative Republicans that were living in New York and are selling their homes at massive profits, even with the prices coming down a little bit and moving to the Sunshine State. So, I mean, the, the, the red states get a little redder. We haven't even talked about the fact that Beto O'Rourke got blown out again by this time it was Greg Abbott in the governor's race. And anybody who thought that this guy was the new young Democratic type of person, I think when you lose three elections in a row, you kind of need to just sit it down. But with regard to Proposition 1, the arguably the worst abortion bill in the history of abortion bills, uh, this is a statement that was issued earlier today by our friends at StopProp1.com from Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Quote, perhaps more than anything, the loss of Proposition 1 is a revelation of just how irrelevant the church at large in California is. This reality is due to the lack of pastors understanding what the calling to the pulpit means. We must not only preach the gospel to the lost, but sadly there's a profound disconnect at making disciples. Jesus said, let your light so shine before the world, and yesterday we did not. The California Christian community failed to show up to defend the unborn child, but for the few who did, their consciences are clear before the Lord. Those are the words of Pastor Jack Hibbs, who's heard on Real Radio, which on KBRT in Southern California comes on right after us. Uh, Jack's a good friend and a dear brother, and he's passionate about this issue. And when you see how the votes are tabulated and realize Californians do support abortion, and I wonder how many people on the left who are abortion supporters were duped into thinking that this was just a way to keep abortion legal in California, because I saw this on many uh, a pundit site. Republicans are out to take away your constitutional right to abortion. If you look at the sheer volume of voters in the People's Republic of California, ain't no way that's going to happen. 48%, this is as of the last election cycle. 48% of registered voters in California are registered Democrat. 24% are registered Republican. 24% are registered no party preference. And, and then the other, let's see, 4% are, take your pick, uh, Peace and Freedom, Green Party, you know, whatever they are, Libertarian, etc. Now, when you consider that the, vo- the, the votes are won and lost with the people who have no party preference, have to realize that. Democrats are going to vote Democrat. Republicans are going to vote Republican. It's the independents. It's the people in the middle. It's the people who don't have any party preference. You're not going to find too many Democrats voting Republican and vice versa, unless, of course, 
it's in a primary when they're putting money into an election to defeat, like, say, Donald Trump backs somebody and the mainstream Republicans back somebody else. And they they want to run against Trump's candidate. So they put a lot of money into defeating the other candidate. That happens, happens all the time. We in the body of Christ have to get out of the thinking of, well, we're good people and we're going to run our candidate. We're going to run fair and square election. And and I, I've told you what happened when I was in fourth grade and ran for vice president. Right. I mean. I haven't told you that story. We made campaign posters. We had a campaign slogan. I had a brave, clean and reverent Boy Scout type of speech. And I got up there after, no, right before the guy who actually won for vice president. It was a friend of mine. His dad was our Boy Scout leader, et cetera, et cetera. He gave the funniest speech. I was cracking up. We're going to put, we're going to make the principal dress up like Captain Kangaroo. And we're going to put Coca-Cola in the drinking fountains and ha, ha, ho, ho, he, he. Guess who won? Nobody cared about the issues. They liked the entertaining speech. That was my first real entree, nine years of age, into how the political system works. But something tells me that we in the body of Christ are still nine-year-old Roger, you know? And I know not all of us feel that way. Not all of us believe that. But Prop 1 was a long shot in the People's Republic of California, but we had to do a lot more persuading of people who think that abortion is something that women actually need. And you could talk to many an OBGYN who will tell you there is no reason. There's no medical reason. Less than 3% of pregnancies put a woman at risk or the child at risk. And as uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel uh, shared with us not too long ago, what they do then is they wind up separating mother from child. It doesn't mean you kill the baby. It means you do a surgical procedure and the child goes into intensive care neonatal neonatal unit and mom goes off into her you know place for care as well and both of them receive health care and both of them are treated properly proposition one now gives abortionists carte blanche to no longer treat a child who survived a failed abortion attempt and that child can be left for dead and that abortionist will face no criminal charges if you know somebody who supports abortion rights, reproductive justice, as they call it. And they didn't know that about Proposition 1, and they voted for it. One of the most loving things you can do for that person is to lovingly, with gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3.15, share that information with them. Do you know what you voted for? Have that conversation. Not in an hysterical fashion, not in a, you're a bad person, but rather just say, hey, did, have you seen this? Do you, do you know what you voted for? Do you know what's going on right now? Because quite frankly, there are a lot of people who are acting emotionally and passionately uh, disconnected from the events and what the laws actually say. They're believing the hype, but they don't know what laws they're passing. 800-227-5278. A couple moments left in our Everyone Wednesday. If you haven't had a chance to get in and win something yet, we've been giving away copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's new book called The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. We had five copies to give away at the start. I don't know if we've given all five of them away yet. Uh, and then we also have a copy of Daniel Fusco's book called You're Gonna Make It, which is a great uh, book about resilience, especially in the face of pressure. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I can't stress enough how much the Ministry of Preborn means to me personally and also to bottom line listeners, but to mothers and their preborn children. 
If you go to an abortion clinic and you want to know if you want to verify a pregnancy, you ask for a pregnancy test, they'll charge you for it. Then you will ask for an ultrasound and they'll do an ultrasound so they can have it so their doctor can perform an abortion using ultrasound guidance. They'll never show you the child. They'll tell you it's for your own good. We don't want to be, this is too traumatic for you to see that, but the reality is it's beautiful. It's life-giving, it's life-changing. 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and get an ultrasound and see the picture of that baby for the first time and hear the heartbeat, choose life for that child. 83 out of 100. And that number keeps going up all the time. Your $28 donation makes one of those ultrasounds possible. So $140, five ultrasounds possible. Hey, the more, Preborn has clinics in California. We Now more than ever, we need to rescue children who are going to potentially be going to an abortion clinic with mom and not coming out alive. 833-850-BABY is the number to call with your best tax-deductible donation. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall, John Schlitt to get you woken up here. Thanks to everybody who has called in today for the uh, uh, the Everyone Wednesday. It's so much fun to do. I know today was kind of a tough one with regard to the election outcomes, but but don't lose heart, brothers and sisters. Um, in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to be hearing some things about what's going to happen with the elections. Of course, the Senate has yet to be decided because of that libertarian guy down in Georgia. So it's Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker in the Georgia runoff. And Lord, please give us a fair and clean election in that runoff. Uh, don't let any outside influence come in and try to influence the, the way of this. We know there's a man who professes faith in you who's actually ordained in pre uh, preaching and teaching the word who would lead to the slaughter of innocent children. And there's another character who is equally flawed who's running in that race too. Lord, we know that in the wisdom and our, the history of Cyrus, you have chosen people who don't necessarily uphold your values to accomplish your will. And so we pray that your will would be done in Georgia. And for the other states, too, where they're still hanging by a thread, like in Arizona, the governor's race there and others. Father, please bring your clarity to the situation. Don't let our passion for what we think is right get in the way of what you are calling us to be, which is the bride of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this culture. And if the world is darkening, that just means our light is going to shine brighter. And if it's your purpose for us to shine even brighter, and so the backdrop of the world needs to get even dar darker. May we, as Pastor Jack Hibbs exhorted us earlier today, stand up to let your light so shine before others so they would see our good works and as a result, glorify you in heaven. Father, may we live with clear consciences, regardless of where we are. May we not be people who would shrink from a challenge, but rise up to it. Understanding, of course, that politics are important. Our vote, I believe, is essential. But at the end of the day, the most important thing for us as Christians is to understand we know who Jesus Christ is, we know who we are, and we know that without him, we are nothing and we are doomed. But thanks because of your grace, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin and our sins are major and we can never pay them off. But Jesus pays the debt for us and he washes that sin away from our record and then commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to commune with other Christians at communion and uh, the sacrament of holy baptism, but to go and preach the gospel and to do what? To make disciples, to make sure that those who receive the good news of the gospel, that their sins are forgiven by their profession of faith in Jesus Christ are then discipled to grow stronger and more mature 
in their faith, to meet Jesus in the waters of baptism where we don't have to go to the cross like he did. Instead, we go into the water after him and are submerged in that water and brought out and made whole and clean, our sins forgiven. We remember that baptism each time we make the sign of the cross in front of our bodies. And every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we're professing and we're proclaiming his death and resurrection until he returns again. Lord, we pray that that re return would come any moment. But until it does happen, until the music stops playing and the only sound that we hear is the trumpet from on high, may we continue to do your work and to keep going into all the world and preaching that good news and making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. That is the gospel. That's the good news. And that's the bottom line.